Today on the Zabecast, Antonio Brown has crossed into dangerous territory on the athlete version of the hot, crazy Matrix. I say let him wear a leather helmet if he wants. Peter King and Brian Cashman both got pulled over by the Popo this weekend. Too bad neither one of them got tased. Mr. X is in the Rota, and we'll talk baseball, gambling, and a whole lot more. Your bonus, 40 minutes of me, is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go. <laughs> Here we go. Monday, August 12, 2019. Thank you for downloading and happy 25th anniversary of the lockout in baseball or the strike in baseball. What was it? I think the players did. No, they went on strike. It was in 1994, 25 years ago, August 12, 1994. We can talk more about this with Mr. X in just a second. It was... A very memorable time in my life and meaningful because I had gotten a full-time job to do weekend programming and updates during the week for a little fledgling network out of Northbrook, Illinois, by the name of One-on-One Sports. And I remember it distinctly. My former program director at WTEM in Washington, way back when they were 570 a.m., and I'd worked for them doing updates in between stints of going out to UCSB to be play-by-play man after I graduated from college. And four years later, Rich Bond was no longer the program director at TEM, and he was the startup PD out in Chicago. And I applied for an update spot. He knew me from D.C., offered me a job. I remember I had to ask for my first salary or – I. I forget what it was. I I said, well, here's what I need to make. And I believe the number, I believe the number was $35,000. And I remember when I got his fax back, because that's how we communicated back in the day with facsimiles. When I got the fax back that said, we uh, we can meet your salary of $35,000 a year plus benefits, uh, when can you start? Blah, 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 blah. I was living with my parents at the time. This was like my second stint. This was the last time I lived with my folks, me, Ma, and Peepaw there on the mean streets of McLean, Virginia. It was for a shorter stint than when I was right out of college, but still, the last time out, I should call Mom and say, Mom, happy anniversary, 25 years since I last left your house as a full-time resident. <laughs> But I remember looking at that letter and I thought, shit, 35 grand? How am I going to spend it all? A young single man with a gleam in his eye, a shock of hair thinning as it is on his head. And I jammed everything I owned into my red Honda Accord four-door. I mean, literally, it was up to the windows. And I drove out to Chicago knowing not a soul. I knew, I didn't know any, I got turned on to somebody from somebody who worked at the network. Mark Jenskow was his name, who was a young producer at the time, would later become program director. And Mark said, here, this guy, so-and-so who I know, has an apartment downtown and he needs a roommate. Give him a call. So uh, sure enough, I, uh, I rolled into Chicago. It was an unbelievably cold, rainy day. 
on August 12th of 1994. Or, as many would say in the Midwest, well, those days happen. <laughs> it felt to me, I was like, because I'd never been to Chicago, never been to the Midwest before. And it felt to me like the middle of October. It was dreary. And that you combine that with the fact that I had now just rented a room in Wrigleyville, the neighborhood surrounding the iconic Wrigley Field, and I was all excited for it, and it was like, fuck, they're on strike. Great. Baseball went dark, and it would not light up again for over a year. And I remember rolling into town, driving through downtown Chicago, not knowing where I was going, Honda Accord with my shit filled up to the roof, rain coming down. It was like a David Mamet play. It was almost like Glen Gary, Glen Ross, depressing, weird, spooky. And I remember it vividly. That was 25 years ago today. Things turned out pretty good. I've uh, done okay. Knock on wood. But I wouldn't trade that experience for the world, even though I was uh, pretty homesick, scared, lonely, felt nervous. But it was fun. Good times. Happy 25th anniversary of the baseball strike that started in 1994. Okay, let's get on with the news of the day, and then we'll get Mr. X in here. Wow, Jeffrey Epstein, dead in his jail cell. Whoops. Can I cue the Urkel sound bit? Did I do that? (laughs) So let me get this straight. Let me get this straight. I'm like Maxwell Smart. Would you believe he was on suicide watch, but he still committed suicide? I guess there's some conflicting reports, whether he was on suicide watch, off suicide watch. I heard one report, didn't investigate, that there was a camera malfunction. His jail cell was wired up to a camera to make sure, hey, make sure this guy didn't kill himself. I had heard from one tweet that he uh, had paper pajamas and um, no bed sheets, yet somehow he was still found hung in his jail cell. It's fishy as fuck. Let's not kid ourselves. And now the battle is going to become, well, who did it? Who done it? Because nobody believes the official story. This is a prison apparently that has housed the likes of El Chapo and of the original uh, World Trade Center bomber. Masawi, I think his name was, is. And like nobody had killed themselves in this jail in over 20 years. This guy does. This guy who has the lives of dozens and dozens of some of the world's most powerful, famous people in his hands, that if he goes on trial and if he tries to save his skin best he can, he could start throwing name after name after name after name out. So the battle has already begun about, well, who was closer to him, Trump or Clinton. Both have connections. I think Clinton was a little bit closer to him just upon my cursory research, and I'm not going to argue this, and you don't have to send me emails with links of articles. I'm not going to pursue it. If you believe the Clinton angle, you probably have heard about a thing called Arkansas, where a rather amazing number of people in the Clinton's orbit end up committing suicide. There, that was tiny little air quotes. Or real suicide for reasons that sometimes mystify. 
Also, Twitter got into it with Trump body count, and they tried to counter Trump's retweets of these conspiracy theories, somehow linking it to the Clintons by blaming Trump for 3,000 deaths in Haiti after the hurricane and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. Listen, uh, Trump, of course, had hosted Epstein at his Mar-a-Lago retreat. Of course, Trump has hosted everybody at Mar-a-Lago, including Democrats and Republicans going back years. He's been playing both sides of the fence. Listen, I'm not going to try to get into this too deep, and don't don't at me via email about anything. But you got to admit, even if you're a, a Democrat and if you're a liberal, you got to admit the Clintons are shady. I mean, a lot of shady shit with them. I mean, look at Hillary. Oh, I got this server here in my house. Okay, yeah. Early on, her big uh, pork belly trading smash hit. The whole Whitewater thing. Rigging the primaries to help her make you know sure that Bernie Sanders didn't steal it from her. I'm not saying they did or they didn't. I'm not saying I'm buying a tinfoil hat right now. I'm just saying be an honest Democrat with me and be an honest liberal and go, oh yeah, they're they're shady. And if you want to say, well, what about what about Bush or what about the Bush family or what about Dick Cheney? Well, okay, that's fine. What about them? I mean, are they shady too? Everyone's shady. These pow- the rich and the powerful are shady as fuck, all of them. And they are rich and powerful for a reason. They get things done. Crazier shit has happened. Bernie Madoff didn't just scam people out of billions of dollars, but he was the non-executive chairman of the NASDAQ. He was running the joint as well. His son committed suicide, I believe, either in prison or outside of it. Madoff's still in jail. He's serving his time. You know, there's been Russian assassination plots. Crazy as hell. Could have been the Russians. Could have been the Russians on behalf of Trump. Maybe they got something on Trump. I don't know. I ain't buying it's a real suicide, though. No fucking way. Just like I'm not buying that JFK was shot by Lee Harvey Oswald. Not buying it. I've been to the third story of the book depository. I've walked down there on Dealey Plaza. I've talked to the crazies who hand out the pamphlets. I've seen all the movies. What's my conclusion? Who did it? I don't know. Wasn't him. Now, he didn't make that shot or those multiple shots. Not buying it. Not buying this thing that Epstein is out. It's not over yet, but a lot of the wind has come out of the sails. Dead men tell no stories. And because I think he was the only guy they were really targeting for an actual crime, I'm not sure they're going to proceed with interviewing a bunch of other people like, So what the hell was happening? Of course, some may push, some lawmakers may push, hey, even though he's no longer alive, surely we can charge somebody else and we can get some people on the stand under oath, under penalty of perjury to say what the fuck was going on. The rich and powerful sleep a little easier tonight, but not as good as I'm sure they would like. Speaking of sleeping easy, boy, did I have an incident a moment on Saturday night. You know, I live way out in the country in an undisclosed location where there's actually a gravel road, dirt and gravel road that borders my property, my acreage, and it forms a short, uh, a sharp left-hand 90-degree turn, not just 90 degrees, but down a hillside. And if you don't know where you're going, it's easy to get in trouble around that curve. But rarely has there been an accident at that part of you know, this country road where my property borders. 
But on Saturday night about midnight, without hearing a crash or any real commotion, we kind of notice that there's some sirens coming towards the house. And we see that they're up at the corner there and there's a ambulance or a fire truck. We couldn't tell exactly what red lights and they were stopped and they were sort of like milling about like, okay, what's going on here? And then a couple of cop cars come up. I see a blue, blue light cop car come up and pulls up and I figured for sure the cop was going to stop, leave his blue lights on and be there as support. Like they do at all kinds of crash scenes, right? Cop car number one slows down, almost stops, and then turns the corner and guns it. Gone down the dirt road. I'm like, that's weird. Cop car number two comes up. Same thing. Slows down, doesn't stop, and then turns the corner. Speeds off down the road. Then the ambulance or the fire truck or whatever it was, the rescue truck, backs up a little bit and seems to shine either bright headlights or spotlights onto my property. At this point, El Baldo's imagination ran wild. I started saying, well, what's the worst possible thing that could have happened? Oh boy, there could have been an accident and maybe some guy uh, in a car got out and started running on foot and maybe he's on the loose out here in the country. And seeing as how, oh gee, we're the first house he would come to. Honey, turn off the lights, lock the doors, let's go upstairs. Now, we don't have guns in the house short of BB guns. I have thoughts about that. I won't share them now. Am I afraid of guns? Yeah, fuck yeah, I'm afraid of guns. They freak me out. Could I, in theory, someday get a firearm and have it for personal protection? I suppose. I'm not sure it would have made me feel any better. I think I'd feel more nervous if I had, you know, loaded up my gat and been standing at the top of the stairs just pointing it, waiting for somebody to come knock on the door or bust through a window. But... Yeah, I was, my heart was going real fast because I just think of the worst case scenarios. It's, it's what I do, I suppose. Maybe that's my dad instinct. So after a while and I'm sitting, I'm checking window to window, curtains are closed. We're upstairs. I'm loosely thinking, what do I have upstairs that would serve as any sort of blunting weapon should my imaginary scenario of a crazed armed fugitive come busting into my house. Had nothing. So after a little while there, kind of calms down, and I say to my wife, you know what? I'm going to go outside. I'm going to get in my truck, just drive slowly out there to what's going on and just ask, what's the deal? Now, I was hesitant to do this for two reasons. Number one, I didn't want to step out of the house. When I did, I got the flashlight, and I'm flipping it right poke my head out. What's going on? Don't make your move. And I go and I quickly dash out the 20 feet to the truck, get in it. Of course, I turn around in the truck, make sure he wasn't lying flat behind me. I know, I know, I know. I think of too much shit. Get in the truck, turn the lights on, and then I start realizing, oh, fuck. What if they don't recognize who I am as the homeowner and I slowly drive my truck up on the grass to the corner of the property and then bap, 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 
Again, hyperactive imagination. So I roll up there and I get out. And uh, sure enough, there's a bunch of EMS techs, a couple of police on foot. And they are just like, yeah, well, someone just went off the ditch here. We've uh, called in a tow truck. They should be out of here in no time. Everything's fine, sir. Oh, okay, good. I said, so yeah, I saw those two cop cars that had come by and they sped off kind of fast. I was a little worried. Like, uh, is there somebody on the loose out here? And they go, no, nah, no, nah, they were... They were going on to respond to another call. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks a lot for that. All right. Time for Mr. X to make his triumphant return to the Zabecast after way too long out of the rotation. Hello. Let it be known... That Mr. X, you are a team player. Are you happy that your minutes have been cut as of late on the Zabecast? No. No, you are not. But guess what? I appreciate the fact that you haven't gotten crazy on me. I'm sorry I haven't talked to you in a while. How many weeks has it been? Uh, I'm not counting, but I think it's four. I think we talked <laughs> right before the All-Star game. <laughs> exactly. Not counting, but it's probably four. Everyone knows, Mr. X, uh, you will star this coming fall on Fridays with me. And the pressure is on both of us mm. to deliver the same kind of uh, football insights and selections that we did this past season. If we come close to last year, that'll be a great year. <laughs> <laughs> Downplaying expectations already. Well, it'll be tough to do it again, but we're going to try, right? We're going to try. So we got a lot to catch up on. You have okay. a rundown of items. I don't really have anything prepped. I'm actually pouring a nice Diet Coke for myself right now over ice. But let me first ask, how was Maine? You went back and forth to uh, open up. Or no, you were there for vacation. Yeah, the whole whole family. It was, uh, it was good, as always. It's always good. Um, it's always a little funny to have the boys all off on vacation and Mrs. X getting an overdose trying to figure out, you know, why we're all abnormal, but uh, it was good. <laughs> so all four, X, X2, X3, X4, and X5, were, or, or actually, what are they numbered? Because you're Mr. X, so they would be X1 through 4. And that's why I'm doing it with you, yeah. Okay. Actually, number one is on his own now and couldn't get off work this summer, so just two, three, and four who are still two colleges and a high school. And I were the only ones up there, yeah. All right. We're going to definitely, yeah. later on, like next week okay. early, I'm going to come to the house or to a location. You're and not coming to the house and filming. No, you're not. Do you are want you? me to? I've, I've oh, been the, here. The boys I've, heard you threaten it, and they're excited. Are they, are they still excited? I'm, oh, God, yes. But Do I they, think I might have to veto that one. I don't know. Why? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll think about it. Should I have them wear rubber? Richard Nixon max masks I, so their identities can stay. <laughs> no, I think your expectations of, of them are a little high. They're kids. They're only funny in small doses. Even smaller than me. Yeah, but <laughs> the point is, the point is I want to I want to interview you with your boys in the very <laughs> living room where they spent their formative years watching sports with and listening to their old man go off on various things regarding the world of sports gambling and more. Right, well, let me tell you two things, Dave. First of all, next week will be your last chance. They'll be back to college. And to give you a flavor for what you said about what it's like, let me tell you, this week, one of the college boys, X3, 
was out. He had a one o'clock curfew. I fell asleep watching the World Series, Little League World Series. Next thing you know, he's sneaking in at three o'clock, right? So I pretend I've been waiting up the whole time. Hey, what's going on? And you know what he says? Dad, we're on to Cincinnati. (laughs) And I said, no, seriously, what's going on? He goes, Dad, I'm on to Cincinnati. Good night. (laughs) What can you do, man? That is fantastic. That, that phrase is going to go down as one of the great sports phrases in history. Not necessarily quotes. Like some quotes are quote quotes. Like I believe, I believe either Billy Martin said of Steinbrenner, or no, Billy Martin said of Reggie Jackson, he's a great guy. He'll give you the shirt off his back, but then he'll call a press conference to tell you about it. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. The, yep. So there are great quotes, but the whole we're on to Cincinnati is not only, it's not only a great line, it's just a great moment in sports where Belichick stonewalled all inquiries yep. about something that happened the previous week. I don't even remember what it was, and he didn't want a bad game. He didn't want to talk about the game. It was a bad game. Ah, we're getting ready for next week. I can't remember. They lost badly to somebody, and he didn't want to talk about the game. Yep. That's so Belichick. Kind of like kids not wanting to talk about why they're late. Let's, we're on to Cincinnati. <laughs> we're on to Cincinnati. All right, I'm coming next week, period. Amen. Done. Done and done. Can I get a show of hands from the Zabecast listeners out there? Who wants to hear from X and X2, 3, and 4? Ooh, ooh, ooh. I do, I do. I want to do it. I want to do, okay. do it. Okay. All right, we'll do, All that. Right. we'll do that next week. Okay, where do we begin this week, my friend? Um... You know what? I got one note that's old. Women's, the whole soccer thing I've been listening to you talk about. First of all, X2 says if you lose to Trinidad and Tobago, the players should pay us. But anyway, seriously, they, um, how about this? All this talk about there's so many six to 10 year olds in the U.S. playing soccer. Soccer's a sport of the future. In 15 years, we're going to be great at it. That's the same thing everyone said when I was eight years old in 1968. Correct. It's not going to get, but it all, everyone always says it's up and coming. It's been 40 years of up and coming. <laughs> Sorry. Three, three things in America have been promised as this is the future and the future never comes. They are, in no particular order, soccer as a major sport for us, two, the metric system, and number three, <laughs> Dippin' Dots replacing traditional ice cream. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit on all three. None of them are the future. They've always been touted as such. It's just not coming. Did you like my craps analogy regarding the men's and the women's pay? Um, I did. I actually, I was listening to that. It was it was a great analogy. Thank you. It, it came was, to me, and I great. thought, I, I, I stepped back, and I don't usually admire my own takes. Sure yes. you don't. Sure you don't, Baldy. You do all the time. <laughs> I, I stepped back and I said, that's actually a damn perfect analogy because it depends on how you play the game. It depends on where you put your money. And the gals put their money on a more conservative pass line bet. They wanted salaries. They wanted benefits. They wanted to get paid for just being on the roster for the women's team, not necessarily a match bonus for them winning. And that's how they played it. So play more aggressively next time. Well, you know what this reminds me of, the way you say it is, it's the classic when any um, pro athlete signs the contract and they decide 
do I want short term and a lot of money or do I want a longer run and, you know, kind of common, do I want one year, 10 million, or do I want to go, you know, four years and 5 million. And then they have a great year and they want to change it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Or you know, then I had a good year. So I don't want that long run anymore. I want you to, I want you, I want to renegotiate. Yeah. Cause oh. I didn't know I was going to do this well. Or, or somebody else, um, ended up with a bigger contract. And now yeah. player A is like, oh, wait, wait a minute. I- I'm better than that guy. I want more money. It's not how it works. Imagine if at the craps table, everyone standing around elbow to elbow would walk away with the same amount of money. Like we'd all buy in like, okay, like imagine craps. All right, everybody put your $50 down. Okay, good. All right, shooter, go ahead and roll. And then he rolls for a while and go, okay, everybody won $63.50. Does everyone have their money? Okay, good. Thanks for playing. Boo! Worst casino game ever. I was having wings today at a wing stop, uh, which is, by the way, phenomenal wings in Centerville, with uh, Colonel Joe. Colonel. I keep calling him Colonel. General Joe. Great guy who's a friend of my my buddy Mike McGowan and his girl Janice uh, from grade school. And General Joe started talking craps with Cowboy Mike, and they wouldn't stop. They wouldn't shut the fuck up, Mr. X. (laughs) <laughs> and I well, and, good. and I told him, I said, well, this is what's great about craps. You ever heard anyone go on and on for a while about a blackjack story? No, because there are no blackjack stories. I had this amount of cards. I got another one, then an ace that I lost or I won. End of story. It ain't like craps. I told these guys, I said, man, I've stood next to guys at a craps table and I have just said, what are you betting? How, how how are you bet? What are you even betting on? It was like a foreign language, and the dealers they knew exactly what to do. You bet sort of exotic at the craps table. You think that, but for a, a craps player, I am not exotic. I'm pretty straight line. Really, line plus three points at three okay. points total. I'm pretty straight. But by the way, since you set me up on that, I got to tell you, one day in Maine after. Mrs. X, X3, X4 went home. X2 stayed up with me for a little while. And since he's 22, he's got the bug, and he thinks he's a poker player. So I thought, you know, it's about time for him to get his feet wet and get humbled a little bit. So I took him to Bangor, Maine, which is, as I always call it, casino light. And it's the (laughs) smallest form of casino there is. You took him to to Bang Vegas, as you like to say. Yeah, exactly. Half a craps table. But I thought this is a spot for him to try his hand at poker, stop the online crap and whatever. So we go up there. I give him 200 bucks. I send him into the poker room. The guy, after I watched for a minute, I said, this is no fun when they don't put the little cards in the corner like on TV. So I leave and I go shoot craps for, for an hour or so. Then he comes walking over. He's got that look on his face. I said, did you lose it all? He goes, no, I got three bucks. <laughs> I assumed he meant I assumed he meant 300. He meant three bucks. So he plays craps with me for a little while and he, you know, explains the bad beat, you know? So I said, you want to play again? He says, yeah. So I give him 200 more. He goes back. I'm playing craps. A little while later, I see the look on his face. He heads back and, you know, got beat on the river. So he's down 400. He's, he looks at my chips in front of me. He goes, you're doing pretty well, dad. I said, yeah, I think I'm up about 800. He goes, wow. So we're up 400. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he looks like, at it. So we're exactly, up 400. Exactly. Classic. All right. Uh, 
Let's talk some Antonio Brown, and let's talk about the hot, crazy matrix in sports with athletes. Now, there's a famous internet video about women and the hot versus crazy matrix. Have you ever seen it? No. I'll send you a link. It's very funny. It was one of the early viral videos of the internet from 10, 15, maybe 20 years ago, where a guy with khakis and sort of nerd glasses and a short-sleeved Dennis Franz business shirt gets up in front of a whiteboard and starts drawing lines and drawing a grid and talking about the hot, crazy matrix. And it was hilarious because he was kind of like this dorky business guy, but he was telling so much truth about, you see, all women are on an axis of hot, crazy, and you've got to decide where's the sweet zone on, okay, this gal you date, this gal you have fun with, this gal you marry, this gal over here that is at this number on hot, this number on crazy doesn't exist. That's a unicorn, their fantasies. And it was really funny. And I thought from an athlete perspective, you've been around as a sports fan long enough, I've been around, that you know there are certain athletes who are fucking insane. They're crazy. But if they're good enough, if they're enough of a game wrecker and you can manage them, teams will figure out a way. Dennis Rodman was one of those guys. Rebounded like a motherfucker and defended the hardest guys on the court for Jordan all the time. They put up with his shit and they managed it. Uh, Charles Haley, both for the Niners and the Dallas Cowboys, totally fucking crazy. But guess what? A a defensive wrecking ball that they put up with. Lawrence Taylor, same way. So is Antonio Brown, Mister X, hot enough to put up with the crazy? Well, how about Manny Ramirez? There's a classic. Was Marie, was Manny crazy or was Manny just? No, that's it's just Manny being Manny. That means crazy. <laughs> See, I thought Manny was just drift. I thought he was absent-minded, Manny. How I, about cutting off throws from center field to second base as a left fielder? I'd call that crazy. Well, that's bad fundamentals. <laughs> no, it's crazy. Did, <laughs> did fundamentals did, is missing the cutoff man running from left field to second base to cut a throw? That's crazy. Did but anyway, did Manny disrupt the clubhouse? Did he demand more money? I, I, I mean, I'm not arguing with you. You're a Red Sox yeah, fan. No, nah, he's crazy. Okay, he's crazy. I, he's I remember. Crazy. I remember when Manny lost like a thirty thousand dollar diamond stud out of his ear, sliding into second, and they had to hold the game up because they're like, yeah, there's a lot of money somewhere here in the dirt. It just it, it never ended with him. Let's put it that way. All right. You know, from a baseball, Brown, st- from a from a baseball. St- Antonio Bra- I'm sorry. To well, answer your Antonio Brown question, I still can't. I still haven't really. How can you be in the NFL where the injury reports are king and it's all important, and everyone's still wondering what really did happen? I, I mean, I with his know. feet, Do we really know. Yeah. No, right? No, we don't know. How do you word know? word is. It was a cryotherapy treatment gone bad. I don't know if I believe believe that. that. The team didn't say that. Brown didn't say it out of his mouth. That was just a report from people close to him. The Raiders have said that they don't exactly know where he is, or at least they didn't as of one point this weekend. No, it's it's fucking nuts, this whole thing. But, God damn, he's a spectacular player. Well, he kind of became crazy really quickly. He became, you know, he was not crazy. Until like the last year, and then all of a sudden, it's just it's just spiraling, man. Well, and and the crazy was sort of there, and it bubbled up at times, and they tried to nip it in the bud, and then it's just kind of gone full blown. And I think you know being traded, which is obvious, anytime a player gets traded, it's a blow to their ego. But if they get a new contract, 
and they're on a team that they think they can be a bigger star on, which Antonio Brown believes he can because the Steelers are like this legacy franchise, a Tiffany franchise where you're never bigger than the logo. He was excited about, okay, I'm a Raider now, and I think it's gone to his head. Yeah, I can't. You know, yeah, well, maybe he'll stop throwing furniture out the window now. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he had to settle that suit, uh, pri- a civil suit. He was not found criminally liable, but uh, there was enough evidence that he decided I better pay this guy off so there's not court testimony saying, yeah, I'm walking my two-year-old nephew down the street. Next thing I know, a potted plant comes flying off the 14th story of a a condo in Miami. So there's... I'm sorry. I thought the door was closed. My bad. <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Did that fall off of my balcony? Sorry. Yeah. So yeah. who was the craziest baseball player? Jimmy Pearsall. All right. But that's before my time. Who did he play for? I've heard the Red name. Red Sox. Red Sox 40s. He was a Ted Williams guy. He was literally insane. He would he would go hide behind the flagpole during the game. He did some wow. weird stuff. What about Bill? Yeah. What about Bill Spaceman Lee? Oh, he was he was the best. God, he was a he was the fun kind of crazy. He wasn't real crazy. What about oil can, oil can Boyd? He was a fun dude too. I don't know if he was really all that crazy. Roger Moret went crazy. He went into a trance in the locker room, and they couldn't figure out how to wake him. Wow. But, yeah, uh, Mitch Mitch Williams. I think he always tried to de- just try to play that role. I'm a wild thing, and right. I think it was forced. John Rocker. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. He's, he was kind of a, he was nuts. <laughs> All right. How about the bird, Mark Fidrich? Yeah. That was such a, like a one year thing. Um, that was a legitimate, uh, it seemed like a legitimate act. He was, he was a bit, he, he, he was missing a couple screws. That's for sure. Yasiel Puig. I, I can't say. <laughs> I, I think, yeah. I don't know. I think in my day they had a term for that that we're not allowed to say anymore. I, I don't think he. I don't think it's all an act. I think there's some challenges there. Okay. I don't think he's gonna. You know. I don't think he's. I don't think he would have done well in school had he stayed there. Does he? Does he play? Is he playing <laughs> with a deck of pinochle cards? I. I don't. You know. He. He's one of those guys that it's like. I don't know if he's half the time if he knows what he's supposed to. <laughs> well, George the Animal Steel in it. You know? okay. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, by the way, did, did did the reference to Pinochle cards go over the heads of most of our listeners? For those that don't know, there's there's a card game called Pinochle, like <laughs> P-I-N-N-O-C-H-L-E, and there's a special deck of cards they put together for it, which is all sort of like face cards and aces. I remember as kids, once my brother and I were trying to play some other card yeah. game, and it was like, what is wrong with all these cards? Yeah. And then, we all have a good hand. No. <laughs> right. They're like, yeah. no, this is a pinochle deck. What are you doing? All right. So hey, I want, I want yeah. to do your favorite rule that I've missed on. I'm sorry. I haven't weighed in on it. The new PI rule. Go. Challenge. Go. Well, okay. First of all, I'll say this. I, I, I think X2 has it best when he says the only real way to do replay is you got to put 10 college kids drunk in a bar. And if they vote ten nothing, you overturn it. Otherwise, you let it go. <laughs> the ten drunk men rule. Ten college kids, and it, you know, because if it ten ten drunks agree, fine, we'll turn it over. Otherwise, we'll let it go. But I guess here's my thinking about, um, you know, the, the part that, and I know we know the replay thing. I don't want to beat it up, but the one part about it that drives me crazy is if you're going to use it. Let's start with that. If you're going to use it, 
and they like to say, oh, that one was really close. Okay, if you stop the game and waste my time to look at it, don't tell me it's close. I know it's close. Right. You're saying you know, is. Tell me the answer. You're saying tell is the they're all close. Right. They should be. Or it's one waste of time. So what I think, if you're going to, and this whole thing about oh, it's close, we have to leave it as is. If it's so close, it's, you know, safe out, whatever, a microscopic difference. Don't tell me that ref knew what he was doing. So I think they should come out of the booth and they should have to say, we were guessing after further review, the call stands as originally guessed on the field. <laughs> That'd be funny because that's what they're saying. Oh, he guessed it. And it's so close. If it's that close and you're wasting my time, don't want, you know, it's one thing if you don't have an angle, I get that. But if you have the angle, make the call. Don't tell me it's too close. But here's my problem on the new rule that I don't think I've heard said yet. What's the most missed call by an official in the NFL? Missed or, big, or judgment holding? The ones they get wrong. Well, yeah, that one's possible. I say it's OPI. Oh, yeah. We we all know that the offense, if you give me a stud receiver, an Odell Beckham or Des Bryant, anybody, Antonio Brown, when they make their way back to the ball, as long as nobody's murdered, they let them go. They never call OPI. Yeah. And, and, and the rules are they both have the same right to the ball. You know, the DB blows on him. It's pass interference. The offensive guy to say, look at the way he came back, went through the DB, went over his, I mean, he interfered. Okay. So now you're going to make this a review. I'm, can't it's, they review those? It's going to be terrible. You're, you're so when right. When you start to review a PI, all those great catches, I'm going to throw the flag. Hey, look, it was offensive pass I, interference. I, 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 don't I don't think know. they've thought of that, have they? No, they didn't think of anything. Here's what happened. Sean Payton and the Saints and their owner, Gail Benson, wouldn't shut the fuck up about one play, which didn't cost them the game because they still kicked a field goal to tie the game, and then they fucked it up in overtime. So don't bitch to me. They would not shut up. They wouldn't let it go. They still aren't letting it go. They're mm-hmm. proceeding in court to get Goodell to testify. So because yeah, they wouldn't... kind of fun. <laughs> well, that is kind of fun. So because they wouldn't shut the fuck up, they held the league meetings in the winter in Phoenix, and everything's going fine. They, they don't even have reviewable PI on the docket of things to talk about. It comes up after lunch, and... I guess the owners are like, fuck, they still won't shut up about this. And they start looking at their watches going, you know, we got a four o'clock tea time at this really nice resort. All right, fine. Put it in. Let's go. I think literally that's how it came about. They put zero thought into this and they're going to find out good and hard all the ways that this new rule is going to fuck games up. It's not well thought at all, but I'll tell you, you know what the end of this movie is. If it's a good movie, this season ends on a reverse pi yes yes that would be the best <laughs> and they're like damn it i wish we hadn't done that yes the that... same thing's gonna happen they're going to the super bowl oh wait there's a challenge saints stay home right well exactly right that would be the most poetic ending Wouldn't and that be great and, and as much as i hate it i have surrendered because i can't win my side, the side of logic yes. and reason, and the side that says getting it right is overrated. The side that is saying, you know, these are just games. Nobody's dying or being executed at the outcome of these games. They're for our entertainment. Let's get the calls as right as we can, which is right enough, and let's move on. My side doesn't have enough traction. 
We can't fight the idiocracy going on. And so I've just resigned myself to watch this year and roll my eyes and go get a drink whenever there's some dumb review. That said, I also look at it this way, Mr. X. It's just another element of pure randomness that has been injected into the professional tackle football product. Like, for example, these personal fouls on roughing the passer. It's just pure, it's randomness is all it is. It's a a roulette spin. It's a roulette wheel spin in the middle of the game. The suspensions being handed down by Goodell. Six games for Zeke, nothing for Tyreek Hill. It's it's randomness. It's a roulette spin. Now this PI thing is going to be another randomizer in the middle of a game, and I hate it. But I can't do anything about it. Oh, it's terrible. But hey, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm not gonna give you too much credit here. But when you started that no replay crusade, what 15 years ago? Not 15, but uh, at okay, least no. 10 almost. Okay. If if the poll the polls would have showed you with less than one percent support. Yeah, I began now, way now, down now in the standings. At, yeah, now you're at 20. <laughs> People are starting to get you. Oh, I, I, I thank you. It took a while. You're right. My favorability oh, index on this is on the rise. I thought you were crazy. I thought of course. you were crazy in the beginning. Now I'm like, you know what? We'll never undo this, but I wish we could. Yeah. And you're so right about, oh, it's so close. Yeah, dumb fucks. They're all close. That's why we're looking yeah. at it on replay. Yeah. And then, and then your other point about when the announcers go, well, it's so close, we can't overturn it. You throw your hands. You, <laughs> you throw what your you hands doing? in the air saying, why are we bothering then? Well, that's why you need the 12 drunks in the bar rule, but anyway. All right. Well, now there's a more serious debate that's gaining some steam, which is about robo-umps in baseball. Oh, we- God. That's horrible. Yeah. You're not a fan of that. Why not? Oh, God, no. Common sense. You ever seen a 3-0 pitch? Close enough, strike one. Let's go. I mean, there's a there's a human element to it. Can you imagine the robo-ump squeezing people when the score's 11-1? I, I mean, do not know how to squeeze people. I call the strike but- zone. As Hannes Wagner would have liked it. Your logic, Mr. X, does not compute. Yeah. Hey, we're up by 10. Let's throw out the robo-ump and bring in the human. Let's go. I mean, I just... Bring in the the speed-up ump. Bring in the ump that knows that the local uh, Buffalo Wild Wings closes at 1 a.m., so you got to get this game over with. Hey, if people can hack into your credit card, somebody's going to hack into (laughs) robo-ump. That's a genuine concern. That's yeah, somebody's going to be like, you know, it's like uh, the, the video games. There's a little cheat code, and suddenly we're wondering why the Yankees are getting all the breaks. But some of these umps are so bad. Like, wasn't yeah. there a terrible strike zone in the Mets-Nats game? Yes. Over the I weekend? I saw the last inning of that, and, and it was bad. And you know what? Well, hey, a lot of people do a bad job. Well, you know, get better or get rid of them. Yeah, I, I think the robo-ump has merits because unlike replay – it doesn't slow the game down, and it is accurate to a tenth of a percentage point, unlike replay, which is just a prolongated human guess while looking at a bunch of video angles. Oh, so can we and can can we do a remote challenge of a robo? <laughs> no, God, no, please, no. You know there was a, there was a challenge in little league baseball. Apparently, now there's replay challenges in little league baseball. Yeah, they get two a game in six innings. Come on. It's ridiculous. Why? Uh, by the way, big ups to us, uh, South Loudon, for making it to yeah. the Little League World Series. Pretty exciting. I know none of those kids, none of those parents, but you always got to say the tiny yeah. amateur team from my area is better than the tiny amateur team from your area. 
Do you do you yeah. like watching the Little League World Series? I do. They used to not do it till near the end. I don't like watching it so early. The part that's interesting is they always talk about how great sports these coaches and kids and everybody. Geez, I, I did that tournament for 10 years. I saw a lot of assholes. Oh, <laughs> chock full of assholes. I coached tournament teams for nine straight years. Yes. And? Um, always did really well. We never quite got there. We went to the state level, never went never went past. We got close one time, but it's the way it happens. Yeah. But uh, it was always fun. Redskins, you got any thoughts after one preseason game, which I've likened to getting one piece of a 1,000-piece jigsaw puzzle? of a fall landscape in New England with a bunch of colors on it. You don't know what you're looking at, but you want as well guess, right? Yeah, you know, I have to admit, I'm, I I intentionally tone out of preseason games because I good. don't want to see them. Because you know it's what like, it is? It's, it's bad well, information. it's like passing an accident. You say don't look, but you look anyway. Well, here's <laughs> why it's... I try not to. Here's why it's smart to not look at it. It's, it's garbage in, garbage out. It's bad data. You are literally oh, yeah. drawing conclusions on corrupted data when you have a quarterback playing against vanilla schemes and half the starters not in there it's called bad data what you're seeing is not real football it's pickup football so to draw any conclusions off of bad data you're going to get bad conclusions i'll never forget seeing how good john beck looked to my eyes as quarterback of the redskins against the ravens in a preseason game and it was a late preseason game it was like game three of the preseason, I said, "Fuck this guy Beck might be pretty good. Maybe the Shanahai were right about this guy." Turns out, and, uh, wasn't it Tom? I mean, wasn't it a Lavero who said what? That just loved John Beck. I believe so. Yeah, yeah. He kind of took okay. him in as his pet guy. I just said, uh, "I said never again am I going to base anything on the preseason, even when you think it is ones versus ones, or it's the dress rehearsal game." It's bad data. Do not watch. Who that was said, the best? That said, I got to get ahead. your Haskins take. I didn't see it. I didn't see him. I, I'm really torn on if they're going to baby him a little bit because, as a rule, the time you don't put a quarterback out there is when you know he's going to fail miserably, and with the team around him, he's going to fail miserably. So th- I'm, I'm still not sure if they're going to protect him a little bit and and do the old because you know when it, when a rookie quarterback goes 0 and 3 people want him out. Okay, so usually you hold him out until you're 0 and 5 and then you bring him in. I don't know what they're going to do yet, and I don't trust anything coming out of that camp. I don't know. To me, common sense is if you think he's the real deal, you, you, you don't throw him into that fire until the rest of the fan base knows this team sucks. It's a then, hell of a, then you're happy to have him. It's a hell of an opening five-game stretch. All three of your division dance partners, two of the three on the road, that would be the Eagles and the Giants, and then the Bears and the Patriots mixed in. At least you get the Bears and the Pats at home, but that's no bargain on either front. Holy no, you're wasting shit. your home games. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. I want teams at home I can beat. I don't want the Bears and the Patriots. I think it's yeah. going to be. I think it's going to be a rough year. I think uh, Haskins or no Haskins, this is a, a weak team that has a lot of problems in the Trent. Oh, the Trent Williams holdout. You got to have a take oh, on the Trent Williams holdout. Well, you know what? It's hard to have a take when everything you hear is rumor. You know, I have to take when I hear somebody speak, you know, and then I know I don't even really, we're guessing about, why he's holding out. How about the fact, I don't know. well, we know that, that he had a medical diagnosis that was yeah not quite correct, and he blames okay. the team for it, and we know that uh, he's not talking. See, I think the not talking is information. I think that's data. I think that tells me it's serious. 
Yeah. Why do these things have to be solved in August? You know, what, what was going on from March through July? Yeah, well. That's the part I don't care. I, that, welcome to being a Redskin fan. <laughs> of all the things. By the way, who was the, who was the greatest August quarterback in history? Babe Laufenberg. Oh, ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Redskin who signed my Super Bowl ticket. <laughs> Congratulations. I was at the Denver Super Bowl. I was in line right before kickoff, and for a beer, and standing next to me was the Babe. And I was like, yeah. "Oh, dude, you get, I'm sorry, you got to sign yeah. this." Babe, Loffen- Babe Loffenberg was a <laughs> third stringer for the Redskins, who dazzled in August in the '80s behind Joe Theismann, and with a name like Babe Loffenberg, you he knew was he was going to become legend. Big, tall, skinny, long-necked guy had a beard. Ended up. Working for the cow, he played for the Cowboys. I he think, played for the Cowboys. I think yeah. he still does color commentary for the Cowboys. I think you're. I think he does like radio or something. Yeah, but I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. so hey. uh, quick thought on Haskins: Would you sit him or start him for Week One? If I really think he's of the future, you don't start him yet. You're not going to help him. You're okay. going to do like uh, what's his name on Houston uh, Carr. Uh, okay. Uh, David Carr. Right, Derek Carr, whatever. No, David you sucked. Know. Derek's currently coaching. Yeah. Uh, you throw David. If David Carr, if David Carr had had a reasonable way to start his career, he might have been a player. You throw him out on that worst team, you, you sometimes you ruin the guy. Okay. Anything else, real quick, before we uh, duck out this week? And I promise next week we'll be ex Palooza at the house with you and the boys. <laughs> well, how about you know the other thing that we missed was how did you like um, Vasquez, the Reds pitcher, taking on the Pirates bench? Absolutely amazing. We're Wasn't not great. We're not supposed to like brawls. That's not good sportsmanship. It's not what you want to teach the young kids. But it really was a Leroy Jenkins moment where he went in on his own, saying "fuck it, I'll fight all y'alls." Of course, oh, I thought of yeah, I thought of it like the kid uh, Tanner on the Bad News Bears. Remember him? Oh, who'd you, who'd you get in a fight with? The seventh grade. <laughs> <laughs> Right. But in a day and age where everybody is what we call a tough guy, fake as tough. soon as you hold them back, yeah. fake as soon as tough they guy. hold them back, suddenly they want some. There's no, there's no faking on that. It's like, let's go. I, that's why I like it. Yeah, I don't like the brawl, but I like the fact that you don't do the, oh, since everyone's holding me back, let me act like a tough guy. Yeah. I get so tired of that. Of course, he went right over there going, hey, let's go one on ten. What do you got? I don't think he was seriously hurt, though. <laughs> I don't think he went to the hospital, though. I don't think he really risked waking up in a ditch and going into a coma. So it was not quite fake tough guy, but I think he knew that this thing was going to quickly turn into a dog pile. He may take one or two tough shots, but it, it wasn't like you're a rookie in the NHL and you're going to drop gloves with Bob Probert, the toughest fighter in the league, and get your ass handed to you. This was more of a let me start a melee on my own. It was quite entertaining. The still photos from all the pro photogs there, some of them are great. If you've seen yeah. some of the still photos, just made I mean, the pirates are sitting on the bench going, okay, who wants this guy coming over here? You yeah. want him? No. Uh, are your, are your Nats done? Are my Nats done? Our Nats done? Done. As of today, they're in the playoffs. I know. Uh, it's all, you know what? It's all about Scherzer. That's what I'm saying it's, though. They got nothing. I don't, I still don't know really that this team has never been good with injury info. I don't know if he's back next week, you know, they you know, first of all, I always say in baseball, the best team rarely wins. Second of all, the Dodgers are the only good team in the league. Everybody else is the same. So if Scherzer comes back, you know, they, they can compete with anybody. But they're not better than anybody. They're just the same as all of them. Are you surprised the Mets are off the mat? 
you know, I was, I was, I'll be honest, I sound like hindsight, but I couldn't figure out all year why they were doing so poorly. Um, I've, I've had them as an over this year. I thought they'd be in the race. And I was, the, I spent the whole first half going, what did I miss? Well, right. yeah, no, they're doing fine. Well, and then they, add, they added Stroman at the deadline, which everyone was shocked by, yeah, Sam. He's good. He's good. And he's kind of here to go. Yeah. All right. Very good. Mr. X, um, next week, your house. You and the boys for a very special Zabecast. Growing Up X will be the name of the special. What it was like to have a crazed, degenerate sports dad. And you wonder why I don't want to do that? Listen to what you're saying. I meant that in the best way, crazed, degenerate. Pseudo-degenerate. A savvy gambling father who was there to teach the ropes to the boys on sports, life, and more. Growing Up X. A very special Zabecast next week. All right, Mr. Sounds X, like thanks, a, brother. Sounds like a bad version of Hard Knocks, but we'll see. All right, buddy. We'll see you. Thanks. Okay. We'll end on this. It is a viral video that is probably too good to be true. But I want to believe. Much like Mulder would tell Scully or Scully tell Mulder, I want to believe on the X-Files. Apparently, someone had a drone that had run out of battery over a body of water, what looked like a lake or an aqueduct. And as drones tend to do, they just start to power down and come straight down out of the sky uh, safely. So if for nothing else, they will land as softly as they possibly can. Might be on a roof, might be in a tree, might be in a chicken coop, might be in a lake, but that's what they're programmed to do. So you see the view of this drone from the drone itself, the footage, start to descend rather swiftly right over a body of water. You see two men on the side of this lake, aqueduct, scrambling, running over the bridge. They strip off their shoes, run down into the water. One of the two men gives up almost instantly. The other guy, though, starts dashing through the water up to his knees, up to his waist, too deep to walk. He starts swimming. The drone keeps going down, down, down. He's Mark spitzing it, swimming, 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 swimming. Drone is getting lower and lower and lower, swimming, swimming, swimming. Boom! At the last second, he reaches out his hand and saves the drone from a watery death. Amazing. Fantastic. Too good to be true? I don't know. I've already kind of workshopped the ways they could have possibly staged it. Somebody could have been piloting said drone. And he could have said, okay, I'm going to descend nice and slow. It's going to take you about this long to jump into the water and to get out to the drone itself. And if you're not there in time, then I will just, and I will just bring it back up again. And we could do multiple takes. Many have said to me, it's like the dude perfect videos. If you put a basketball hoop on the moon and throw a ball out of an orbiting spaceship, eventually one of them is going to swish. It's just a matter of takes. Thing is, though, that guy would have to get dry clothes. He would have to do that swim over and over. I don't know. I think it might be real. I want to believe it's real. I think it'd be great if it was real. Please, Internet. Just once, don't let me down. 
That will do it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Good to be back on a Monday. Going to be another huge week, preseason week number two. August is starting to run out on us. That's great. College football is two weeks away. Giddy up, everybody. It's going to be an amazing fall, as it is every year as a sports fan. Thanks for listening. Have a great Monday, and we will see you next time.